Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 7th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. Of course, you can listen to us on the radio on Wednesday afternoons or Thursday evenings, but you can also listen to us anytime at your convenience on the podcast version. To listen to the podcast, please go to and follow the Local Matters of Georgia Facebook page, my website, or you can go directly to SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Today, we continue our coverage of the special election for Georgia House District 129. The candidates who are with us today are Davis Green and Brad Owens. Like Scott Cambers and Reverend Carlton Howard, who was here last week, they are Democrats running for this seat. The special election takes place on December 20th, and you can vote early at the municipal building up until December 16th, including this coming Saturday, December 10th. The full schedule of voting times is posted on the Facebook page of the Local Matters of Georgia podcast if you need to refer back to it. However, today, before we get to Mr. Green and Mr. Owens, you know I have to say something about the runoff election results. District 2 voters here in Augusta chose to send incumbent Charlie Hanna back to the Richmond County Board of Education with a little over 53% of the vote. Voters enabled Hanna to break the curse of the leading vote getter. Um, and it's also somewhat unusual for an incumbent to be drawn into a runoff and still win. This was the case where Reverend Fryer would have had to pick up every single vote that didn't go to Mr. Hanna um, during the general election, and he was not able to do that. So we see Hanna, our school board president, going back to serve another four-year term on our Richmond County Board of Education. Um, as I look closely at the precincts, uh, there are seven precincts in District 2. Uh, Hanna, uh, excuse me, Reverend Fryer actually won those precincts that are closer to the downtown area, including uh, Mount Calvary Baptist Church and the Carrie Mays Recreation Center. But Hanna won those precincts that are a little bit further out, uh, like the uh, Worship Center on Bayville Road, Asbury United Methodist Church on Troop Street, and uh, the Bernie Ward Community Center on Lumpkin Road. So, uh, of course, as we look at the reasons why, one of the things that I focused on last time when I covered coverage, covered the elections, the general election for a school board, I talked about the importance of name recognition. Um, Charlie Hanna has been on a ballot at least every four years since 2010. Uh, he's been the school board president. He ran for mayor last time. So his name recognition has been high. 
as well. He used social media pretty effectively in terms of promoting his campaign, uh, what he stood for, what he feels like he's accomplished. So uh, that made it pretty easy for him to earn the uh, 53% of the vote in order to get back into that seat. As we look on the statewide level, of course, the big race where all of us had an opportunity to vote in Georgia was for the U.S. Senate. Uh, we had incumbent Reverend Raphael Warnock being challenged by uh, Republican Herschel Walker. Uh, at the end of the day, Reverend Warnock won by 97,597 votes uh, or so. And um, while I know people thought of this as a victory, and it is, he won, uh, whether you win by one vote or you win by um, 500,000, it's still a win. Um, you look at Georgia's overall turnout, uh, it was right around 50%, 50.47%. Turnout here in Richmond County was a shade under 48%. So we were just a tad bit under the state average in terms of turnout. Uh, turnout in District 2 that we spoke of earlier re relative to the school board race turnout was about 40 percent. Uh, so turnout was decent, um, but still could have been much, much better, obviously, if you think in terms of trying to earn 100 percent voter participation. Um, there were a few things that I gleaned from this, an awful lot of things, and there'll be an awful lot of news articles and TV talking heads. Uh, but the things that came to me about uh, the Senate race are as follows. First, Herschel Walker suffers from CTE. CTE is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, it's a progressive brain condition that's thought to be caused by repeated blows to the head and repeated episodes of concussion. It is particularly associated with boxing and American football. Anybody who knows me knows that Cam Newton is my favorite football player of all time, and I am regretful in some respects because he's not on the field right now, but I'm not so regretful because I don't want what has happened to Herschel to ever happen to Cam Newton. Uh, we have got to continue to look the professional sports, college sports, even high school sports at that level. We have to continue to look for ways to keep players safe um, because if they don't, the result is, is what we've seen from Herschel over the last uh, year or so as he's been on the campaign trail. Next uh, conclusion for me is that Donald Trump has played too big of a role in selecting Republican candidates in Georgia and other states. Uh, no one that he endorsed and placed on the ballot has won in Georgia, and I'm not sure any of them have won nationwide. Uh, next conclusion for me uh, relates to Republicans like Jeff Duncan, he, who is assumed to be former Lieutenant Governor. Uh, he knows that there's something wrong with this. He's been very outspoken about it. Uh, but I wonder if people who are thinking in the same way that he is thinking will get enough attention to bring some sanity to the conversation about how candidates are selected and who it is that is running for office and how we make decisions to vote. I saw him on CNN last night and he said that he literally went to the polls didn't vote for either candidate, printed out the blank ballot and turned it in. Um, he didn't want to vote for the Democrat, didn't feel the Republican had done enough to earn his vote. 
So he just didn't vote in the election, showed up at the polls not to vote, literally. Um, there's a lot wrong with that. He's written a book. In fact, one of my goals is one day to try to get Jeff Duncan on the show to talk about our current process and you know how we write the ship. Next piece, uh, which is very similar to the Senate runoffs that took place back in uh, 2021, the um, urban areas of Georgia, the metropolitan areas, uh, Augusta and surrounding counties, Macon, Savannah and surrounding counties, Albany, Athens, Columbus and surrounding counties, Atlanta and surrounding counties. Those are the blue counties or those that can be depended upon to vote Democratic, while the rest of the state is Republican. Uh, if you look at the map, those counties are solid red. It just so happens that the blue counties are much larger. So we're in a position where it feels like the urban areas against the non-urban areas and it's a matter of turnout in those areas in terms of determining who is going to win these elections. Local Matters family, today we are joined by Davis Green. He is a candidate for Georgia State House of Representative District 129. How are you doing, Davis? Good, how are you? Great. I just have to full disclosure, have to let everybody know that I have known Davis for a few years because he graduated from high school with my daughter. So he's always been interested in politics and here he is running for office. Davis, if you could just start off by telling all of our listeners about yourself, just a few things you want them to know about you. So uh, my name is Davis Green and I am a a resident of Augusta, um, was proudly born in Augusta, uh, born and raised in Augusta, graduated from Richmond County Technical Career Management School in 2019. And I currently am a student at the Georgia Southern University in Statesboro, Georgia, pursuing a uh, bachelor's degree in criminal justice, which I'll graduate in May. All right, great. And tell me, what, what, what was your pathway at uh, TCM? So at TCM, my, my pathway was really um, designated as cybersecurity. Okay. Um, but, you know, I had different pathways. That pathway was just interesting because it had security. In it. And of course, you know, as a criminal justice major, you know, I thought it would be interesting. So I just decided to take that on. Okay. All right. Very good. Now that we've uh, introduced you to our audience, uh, if you just think about your life, I know you're still a young man, but what do you consider to be your greatest accomplishment so far? So because of the fact that I'm new to public life, I'm new to, pol to the political arena, um, I really don't have anything that I've done publicly. Um, but I will say that in terms of my greatest accomplishment, I think is, you know, serving silently. And when I say serving silently means making a difference silently. Like I've been involved in like different community things, um, being a Boy Scout at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, and which allowed me to do a lot of community outreach with the troop, do a lot of community service hours, um, and, you know, engage and network with different types of people. So I'm very proud of that. Very good. Thank you. 
Uh, next question um, here on Local Matters. A few months ago, I did a three-part series on the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities to raise awareness. Uh, please tell us what you can do from a role in the state legislature to assist families affected by mental illness and developmental disabilities. So um, as you know, that mental health and mental illness is very, it's a very hot topic that's going on in our state as well as in our city. Um, you know, a lot of the issues that we have in terms of our crime issues and our you know, educational issues come from that um, mental health perspective. Um, so as my role as a state legislator is to, as far as mental health and family behavioral issues and that sort of thing, try to get legislation passed and champion to like provide funding um, to get these mental health programs. Um, you know, a lot of counties in our state do not have, you know, a psychiatrist in them um, because they're very rural counties. And so, you know, I want to be able to, as a state legislator, be able to get more funding for those individuals who have, to be able to help those individuals who have mental health issues. Because if we deal with the mental health issues and if we deal with the family behavioral issues, then we can kind of alleviate some of the issues that occur in the community, such as crime, such as, you know, economic um, disaster, poverty, um, you know, students dropping out of school, that sort of thing. So if we provide more funding for mental health and we handle the mental health aspect, that will allow our law enforcement to be able to have minimum to do when it comes to dealing with people in crisis, um, committing crime, um, and our teachers, it'll alleviate them being able to sort of, you know, having to deal with a student who might be suffering from mental health crisis and they don't necessarily know what to do to help them. So if we have more funding, it will allow a trained professional uh, that is able to come in and provide that individual, that family, and all of that sort of thing, the resources and tools that they need. Thank you. Next question, just sort of looking at the general role of the Augusta legislative delegation, uh, what do you think that the most important thing is that they can do to address quality of life for constituents in the Augusta metro area? So um, good question. So as you know, if I was to win this election, I would be a member of the Augusta Legislative Delegation. And our role in the, with as far as being the delegates from our city representing us in the legislature um, is to champion Augusta, champion our districts within Augusta up there in Atlanta. Um, you know, we have a lot of segregation in our legislative delegation in between Democrat and Republican. And you know, everything should not be about party. Um, it should be what is best for our community, what is best for Augusta. So if you're an R, if you have an R in front of your name and a D in front of your name, it shouldn't matter at the end of the day when it comes, because we all should be working towards the goal of bettering Augusta. Uh, like I said, crime is a big issue in Augusta. Um, that's one of my major platforms that I'm running on to try to get 
more funding for our police officers, that's one of the ways that we can improve the quality of life. Because if we don't get a handle on our crime rate, the people are not going to want wanting to move into our city and the people that already live in our city are going to be wanting to leave our city. Um, and then as well as, you know, some of the issues involving our educational system in Richmond County, uh, working with the Board of Education more, with the local legislative delegation and the Board of Education to be able to address some of the issues that we have in our schools. For one, get teachers paid more, raise their base salary so they can be able to, we can be able to retain and not just retain, but recruit teachers to Richmond County and keep them instead of having them go off to other places like Columbia, Burke, Jefferson, um, which is one of the reasons why, you know, the state of Georgia is deeming our system to be a failing system. But it's not that it's the children, it's the fact that there isn't enough resources there from the state level, from the state perspective, in order for our district to get where we need to be so we cannot be considered the failing district. And next question, as you think about the legislative delegation, on a scale of one to 10, how well do you think they work together? Uh, please tell us why you gave it that rating and what you would do to help make the delegation more effective if you are elected. So on the scale of one to 10, I think our legislative delegation actually, I feel like it's a five, um, to be honest with you. I really don't think our legislative delegation here in Augusta really, really works as well with one another as they should. Um, because we're focused on the R and the D. We're focused on the Republican and Democrat versus what is best for the citizens of Augusta. Um, when we have, when you have the fight between lawmakers that represent Richmond County, Augusta, and Columbia County, and it's butting heads and nothing's getting accomplished for anyone, that's a problem. So I feel like if I'm elected, being a fresh face in our delegation and being a young guy, um, being someone who is, you know, more, could be more open to working with anyone, um, it would allow for more, you know, the, it will allow for a more coherent delegation. Like, I, I feel like I'll be able to contribute to our delegation being able to focus, like you said, on the quality of life issues, rather than focusing on the politics of she's a Republican, he's a Democrat. She's a Democrat, he's a Republican. We need to get away from that. We need to focus what is best for Augusta and what the citizens of Augusta sent us up there to focus on, which is their needs. Right. Last question, and this hopefully is the easiest one. Uh, please tell us how uh, our listeners can learn more about you. So um, I have um, Facebook. Um, so if you go on Facebook and you type Davis Green, um, my picture's on there. And, um, so just follow me on Facebook. I've been posting about myself, posting about what my platform is. Um, I was on WRDW a few weeks back. Um, I talked to them. Um, you know, if you listen to this, you can listen to this and get a little insight of where I'm coming from. Um, you know, I'm planning on doing means report. I'm planning on um, doing radio. Um, so I just like encourage you guys to just like follow my Facebook page, um, see what I'm talking about, how I want to make our delegation, our district and our community better. Um, and yeah. Right. 
Thank you so much for joining the Local Matters family. Now that you've been a guest, you're an official member of the family. Thank you. Local Matters listeners, the final candidate for us to bring to you is Brad Owen. How are you doing today, Brad? I'm doing good, Janice. Thank you for the opportunity to participate. Well, thanks. This makes you an official part of the Local Matters family now. I'm here. I've um, arrived. First thing we uh, ask all of our candidates to do is you can tell us just a little bit about yourself. We you know many people in the community are quite familiar with you, but others aren't. So what would you like our listeners to know about Brad Owens? Well, first off, um, my name is Brad Owens. I am running for the 129th uh, State House District. I was born here in the district. I actually was born in St. Joseph Hospital, which is in this district. I went to St. Mary's and Aquinas, attended them in school, and that's right here in the district. And most of the district is, uh, you know, areas that I kind of my stomping grounds growing up, the hill and National Hill. So I grew up in the area that I want to represent. Um, I am a U.S. Army veteran. I don't like to wear that on my sleeve. I'm a U.S. Army veteran of over 30 years. Uh, I did deploy a couple times enduring freedom and Iraqi freedom one, the very first I was, my background was military intelligence. Um, and I, you know, I'm a member of the veterans of foreign wars and the uh, American Legion and, uh, special forces association and some other, you know, things related to that. So I'm a veteran. So I, I love Fort Gordon and I look after soldiers. I'm very pro-military. Um, I, I, I had a lot of political experience here in town. I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> for the listeners, but I was a member of the Democratic Party for a long time here in town, an active officer. I was the county treasurer for a term. I was on the executive committee, started out as the president of the Young Dems, um, about 20 years of active involvement in the party. So uh, I knew uh, Wayne Howard's father. I've also had a lot of public service here in town. Uh, I helped Steve Shepard run for the Consolidated Commission in 1997. He appointed me to be his representative to the Animal Control Board, which I was the lowest, I was the youngest guy on his campaign team. And I think that nobody else wanted to go to the dog, you know, the animal board, but I took it and um, I did that. I've also served on the Downtown uh, Development Authority. I love downtown. I, I love a vibrant downtown. I'm excited about what I see down there. And you know, as I was also on the URA and we helped do some uh, lots of projects to help redevelop that area, especially we did the parking dock for the cyber command or the cyber center over on the river, which was an important piece the state asked us to cover so we could do it. So I've had a lot of experience in some of the different boards and authorities like the Urban Redevelopment Agency. Um, also, I mean, like as far as I go, I am I'm single. I, I, uh, I have a couple of kids. I'm, I'm divorced. And I've got a, uh, I live here on Hickman Road, and um, I, my daughter uh, will attend St. Mary's. And the last couple of years, uh, we haven't been able to travel, as you know, because of the COVID virus has prevented travel and a lot of the training and stuff. So I've been around and, you know, I, I'd like to be involved. I believe the state is a good level for me because uh, the way I like to operate, there's things that need to be done on the state level. But that's me. I'm, I'm 51 in case. Well, thank you for that. And if you think about all of the things that you've accomplished, what do you consider to be the greatest accomplishment in your public life? Well, there's one in particular that stands out, and it's Beacon Station. Um, I was appointed to the Urban Redevelopment Agency by Donnie Smith and Wayne Guilfoyle. Um, and 
was the vice chairman with Bob Young and, and Bonnie, a couple of guys in there. And we had a good time. So the thing was, we kept, they approached us, Hawthorne Welcher and Chester Wheeler put together a great redevelopment program for Laney Walker. So I would say my greatest public accomplishment was being one of the commissioners on the, on the Urban Redevelopment Agency of Augusta and helping get that bond issue together that allowed Beacon Station. I mean, that property was contaminated. It was not able to be used for anything else. It was in an odd shape. So we, we used the URA appropriately with the uh, housing and urban development and was able to leverage our bond issue capability with the commission, the, the county commission's a bit, you know, willingness to work with us and accomplish that massive project. Anyone who drives down between at the dental school at 15th Street, if you take a look right there, that's Beacon Station, all those beautiful apartments that are across the street. And it's a mixed use. So that's my greatest public accomplishment. There's a couple of other. And as you mentioned, Bacon, Beacon Station, I have to say this. It's also on my list of my top five or 10 accomplishments as well, because we work really hard to make that thing happen. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. There was a lot of, I mean, it was uncertain up until the final vote and we worked really hard, but yeah, it, it's just a fantastic. And, and listen, here's the best part about that. It worked exactly like we were told it would work. The investors came in, they put their money in, we provided our money and they paid the bonds off quickly. So, I mean, they did it on time, actually a little ahead of schedule with 26 million. So for me, I think that when you look at that project, it is an example of a public-private partnership. we got to move on to our next question yes. related to uh, a series of episodes I did recently about services provided through the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. Um, please tell us what you can do from a role in the state legislature to assist families affected by mental illness and developmental disabilities. Well, first and foremost is having access to services, that professional services. I mean, you've got to be able to get in to see the doctors, the psychologists and psychiatrists, and that takes money. So the state, you know, the state helps. Would we have a state hospital right here in town that's funded? Uh, secondly, is a lot of these mental illnesses can be can be dealt with with medications. There, there's imbalances. So I think that uh, the state should should look into uh, helping out, especially with these. Uh, very specific um, uh, drugs that are used for mental illness. Also, I think uh, from the state level to a county level, I think um, the mental health task force at the sheriff's department was was not properly funded. And I would I think that that would be something we could tie to state funds too. You know, I, the only way you, the only way the state can help is through funding and infrastructure. That's the only way to answer your question simply. So I would say I would want to look at the, the level of services. When it comes to mental illness, it is each individual case is different, but it always creates support issues, living issues, you know, things like that. So maybe maybe to, a way to tackle the mental illness is first to get the task force that can get the folks that suffer from mental illness to the correct uh, uh, provider. And I think that would be a good thing was getting a mental getting mental illness task force made on a county level funded by the state uh, or through the state board of health. And as we shift gears and talk some about the Augusta legislative delegation, what do you think is the most important thing that the legislation could, legislative delegation could be doing to uh, improve quality of life in the Augusta area? Well, there's a couple things. I, first and foremost, I think the issue that's been on a lot of people's minds as far as, you know, quality of life is the crime. There's been an exponential surge in violent crime 
Of course, that's nationwide now. It's not just here. There's been a huge surge nationwide in violent crime. But right now, we've got over almost 100 people waiting in the jail to be tried for murder. So I would say that from the state level, the, the greatest quality of life we could do is help the local law enforcement get the tools they need that is available at state level to fight this upsurge in violent crime. That would be one. One of the other situations as far as quality of life, I think, would obviously be, and we want to shift gears off of negative stuff. The other is, is tourism. I think that, uh, you know, I think that the delegation could work on helping develop some tourism ideas for uh, for here that the state can help with to help push down, especially when it comes to recreation sites and stuff. But as far as quality of life goes, I think safety and security would be the first thing I'd focus on. And with the sheriff, for instance, what, okay, say, well, what could you do from the state level? I'll give you an example. The sheriff recently requested and uh, was granted from the commission some uh, money to buy cameras. Cameras are a, what we call in the business that I'm in, which is safety and security, is a force multiplier. It means one man can do the job of several people. And so right now, while there's nobody to hire, you have to have your individual deputies do more. So cameras and drones are an effective way as a force multiplier. So one person can do the work of five, for instance. And the other part is, I think in Augusta, we have a large number of recreation facilities. So many, we have a lot of good rec facilities. Some of them are in disrepair. Some of them are in terrible repair. But uh, the question might be, are there any state funds out there that are left over from the, say, you know, from the federal COVID relief that can be applied towards tourism. I would say that would probably be the two things that you could focus on would be to, to help the sheriff increase the safety and security of the citizens as far as quality of life, and then maybe try to get some more business job creation down here through tourism. All right, and if we speak of the legislative delegation, um, this question on a scale of one to 10, how well do you think they work together? And please tell me why you gave it that rating. Well, as far as working together, it's a difficult question because we have one Republican and four Democrats, okay? Right now, the legislature is controlled by the Republicans and all the statewide offices are. Um, so I would, I, I, I believe that the Democrats work together. I don't believe they work well with uh, Mark Newton. And so I would give them a, as far as working together, the majority working together, I think they work together really well. They seem to vote together quite often. So I would say maybe eight out of 10, as far as working with the, uh, Republicans across the aisle, I'd give them a, 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 a zero. They have not worked at all with Mark Newton to try to do anything. They haven't tried to go to the governor and get anything down. So I would say uh, I could certainly help with that. As a conservative Democrat, which I've been for many, many years, I can cross the aisle and talk to the Republicans and they'll listen to me. But they're also, you have to be willing to hear what they have to say. Last question. Um, please tell us where people can go to learn more about you. Well, I just got my website and it the website would be the best place. And that is real easy. It's electowens.com. All right. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing more from you on the campaign trail. Listen, thank you so much for the opportunity and congratulations on your success after you've left uh, the, the county service. And um, glad to see you're staying involved. Please join Local Matters next week, where our guest will be Donna Moraine. She's going to come back and talk to us about her court watching experience and 
part two of how poverty can send people to jail and keep people in jail. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.